Welcome to EPRI Unplugged, the podcast of the Electric Power Research Institute. I'm Amy Mills. Our focus in this podcast is electrification. Last year, EPRI launched an electrification initiative to study the role of electrification, create a technology pipeline, and expand R&D collaborations. In April, EPRI released a U.S. National Electrification Assessment to further this initiative by considering the critical and growing role electricity will play in the global energy landscape. Here to help me unpack the report and its findings is Tom Wilson, EPRI Principal Technical Executive for Energy and Environmental Strategic Analysis. Tom, welcome. Thank you, Amy. Well, before we dive too far into electrification, let's back up to where our current initiative started, the Integrated Energy Network, which is EPRI's roadmap for the future for more reliable, flexible, and affordable energy services. How does this electrification fit under the Integrated Energy Network umbrella? Now, let me tell you a little bit about the Integrated Energy Network, and, and then I can get into how it fits. Um, this is a, a study that we released last year. It's the result of several years of discussion, both internally and globally, with a variety of stakeholders about the future of electricity. And in the process, uh, you know, we, we have been doing this for decades, um, looking at the future and sort of over the horizon of the future. It's a, a way for us to help guide our research and to inform our members and others about where the electric sector might be going. Um, I think the most striking differences from the earlier efforts that we've done like this were, number one, the the widespread and rapid digitalization of electricity and energy more broadly. Um, Digital technology, iPhones, uh, smart devices, uh, cheap communication, all of these factors change in many ways how electricity can be used, um, how it can be transported or moved, and how it gets generated. And so, you know, I think compared to earlier assessments, the digitalization was something that's, that's moved so rapidly that it's almost hard to believe. It's very exciting. But, uh, yeah, we've been looking at electrification for quite a while, and I think the uh, the thing that really brought it home in the IEN or the Integrated Energy Network was this broader focus on energy. Um, our energy system is very interconnected these days. Uh, all the pieces are sort of tied together, but they're not really integrated. They're not optimized. They're not controlled together. And I think that the digitalization and other opportunities that customers have to uh, control how they get energy what its characteristics are, what it costs, uh, are things that make electricity a new and growing uh, growing importance in the energy system. And we talk about electrification and then efficient electrification. Can you kind of walk through what those terms mean and how they differ? Sure. Electrification at its heart is basically people using electric technologies. And if you're in a developing country um, or a, you know, a growing economy, uh, you are often looking at electricity in its first uses. It's uh, getting new power lines or other ways to get electricity to you so you can have refrigeration, so you can have light, so you can meet basic needs. In the U.S., um, much more developed economy, you're often talking about new needs. Uh, there are things such as 3D printing and indoor agriculture and other exciting ways that electricity might be used more in the future that uh, are just starting up right now. But uh, you also are looking at replacing other types of energy use with electricity. Um, one example would be to uh, 
which we see driving around in most areas in the U.S. these days where electric vehicles are starting to appear instead of uh, petroleum-based vehicles uh, or electric heat pump instead of uh, natural gas furnace. So the substitution of energy is another part of electrification that we're looking at today. And so when we look at the U.S. national assessment, kind of walk through the process of developing that. What was your framework? Well, the, the basic framework was using something we called our U.S. region model. It's the regional electric energy economy model. And this model was developed uh, basically over the years to focus on electric supply. And over the last two years, we've been working closely with our experts on energy consumption across the Institute to try to understand some of these trade-offs that people have when they're making energy choices and to get a better idea of, of where uh, there might be more opportunities for electricity because of its many potential benefits. Uh, one would be cost. Everybody cares about cost. Another would be cleanliness, uh, what the emissions associated with electricity versus other energy sources might be. Uh, productivity increases if you're in an industrial or commercial setting, choosing a technology that, that increases your productivity or increases your profit somehow can be very valuable. And so there a wide array of different efficiencies, we call them, economic efficiency, energy efficiency, productivity efficiency, and other efficiencies across the economy that might appear uh, as you look at these different technologies. So I'm asking you to sum up about 60 pages of the report here, but what were some of the conclusions of the study and some of the highlights? So I think that some of the things that are really important coming out of this is we looked at four scenarios, and I'll sort of focus my comments on two of them here. One was a reference where there's no advance in energy and environmental policy other than the ones that are on the books today. For example, California has a climate policy, but the U.S. does not. And so this reference case focused primarily on where technology might take us in the future. And then the other case that I'd focus on is one where we have a carbon price implemented starting in 2020 and rising thereafter. Uh, and it's a fairly significant carbon price of $50 a ton of CO2 rising at about 7% uh, a year. And so this kind of uh, uh, carbon policy would actually change the, uh, the future quite significantly. So we looked at those couple of scenarios, and then I, I think the, the key findings were, even in the reference scenario with no particular policies in the future, there's a large decline in the amount of energy going to end uses. And this is driven by efficiency huge gains in efficiency, both internal combustion engine vehicles and electric technologies, as well as a shift from internal combustion engines towards electric vehicles and from gas furnaces towards heat pumps and other end uses across the industrial and commercial sectors. And were there any surprises for you along the way? You know, I think the, the biggest surprise was how much there could be gains in energy efficiency gained as part of electrification. Um, you know, it's hard to say surprises in the sense that uh, we didn't really expect that to be an outcome when we went in, but, you know, once we see the result from the modeling, we understand it and understand why it's happening and think it is real. Other things were the, uh, you know, given the assumptions we had for transport, electrification in particular, the rapidity with which people would potentially move from internal combustion engines to electric vehicles uh, was a big surprise. We had a lot of effort to try to understand the different types of households across the country because unlike a utility making a decision about a power plant, there are many, many people making many, many decisions about end uses. And so understanding if you're urban, 
rural, suburban, if you have multiple cars in your household or a single car in your household, if you're driving uh, 12,000 miles a year in your car or 15,000 or 5,000, all of these factors make a big difference in what decisions you make about what kind of vehicle to, to get. And Similarly, with heat pumps and gas furnaces, uh, your climate, your local climate, uh, the natural gas prices in your region, your electricity prices in your region, and the rate structures make a big difference in what choices people make. And we mentioned the earlier studies, and you know, you have a rich history at EPRI and have been involved in a lot of that. And I, I just have to imagine that this was vastly different than what you saw 20 years ago undergoing it. What was it like for you to, to go through this process again? Yeah, so the, the the big thing that's changed is how fast prices have changed for some technologies. You know, I've done a lot of work on the supply side, and if you were back in 2005, uh, we were basically the U.S. economy was looking at high natural gas prices. They hit about about nine nine and a half dollars per million BTU in uh, 2005 2006, and we we're trying to build liquefied natural gas import facilities as fast as we could at that point in time. We also at that time thought that solar and wind were interesting but too costly to really put out at large scale. Um, so you go forward, you know, 13 years, and, and here we are with uh, plummeting costs of renewables, uh, with natural gas prices you know, in the 3 to $4 range instead of the 9 9 and going up range with uh, the U.S. building LNG export facilities instead of import facilities. And you look on the uh, demand side, uh, the cost of batteries is plummeting, the capabilities of electric vehicles are, are improving rapidly. Uh, these are things that were really hard to project or you'd be viewed as very, very optimistic to have projected them and the speed at which they've happened uh, you know, even 10 years ago. So how did EPRI's assessment differ from some other studies that have been done on electrification? Well, there have been a lot of uh, mentions of electrification or people talking about it that have come out recently. I think uh, we differ in a number of ways. The first is we took a very detailed look at it. We've created a framework for trying to understand these issues in great detail with looking at household choices and other factors that are trying to get at the diversity of consumers in the U.S. and their diversity of conditions. And we fully integrated that with the electric system model so that when you add a heat pump in Wisconsin, for example, you see how that impacts the electric demand on the system and how those demands might be met differently depending on when they occur. One of the things that happens in the reference scenario and in our carbon price scenario is that in many areas of the country, you have a potential to shift from summer peaking, which is driven primarily by air conditioning loads, to winter peaking. And so having an integrated model that allows you to look at that um, and in the future that allows you to look at some of the uh, adjustments you can make in terms of rate structures and other factors. We're taking advantage of some of the flexibility in some of these end uses like time of charging of electric vehicles or operating heat pumps in a way that sort of helps you reduce the, the peak load uh, are all really important things that uh, that we want to get to in the future. So I, I think one key is just that, that difference in the, the modeling approach and the setting up a framework for future studies. So do you think that in the future, studies like this will have an impact on more people looking at the time of use rates and how we're actually consuming the energy? 
Yeah, I think that's driven both by the digitalization that we were talking about earlier as part of the Hendergrade Energy Network. I mean, there are things that we can do to know about your use these days. I had an outage in my neighborhood, uh, electric outage in my neighborhood that lasted for about an hour a few weeks ago. And, you know, within two minutes of it happening, there was, it was up on the website that 240 homes were affected. And, and digitalization, um, you know, both allows that kind of a response to outages or other events, but it also allows you to try to, to minimize peak loads, to let consumers choose, usually by automated methods, when they would like to consume energy. There, there are all kinds of opportunities that will be provided with, with future electrification. And it's interesting that many of the new technologies we're looking at for electrification are ones that, uh, the larger ones, especially the, the electric vehicles or buses and whatnot, are ones that we could be able to use the uh, electricity at times when you don't want to use it in other ways. It's very hard to uh, control some types of usage. For example, people like to have lights on when it's dark. You could, you know, when you're not when you're sleeping at home at, at night uh, in, in Minnesota, you could be charging your electric vehicle using wind excess wind that would otherwise be primarily wasted. Uh, or if you're in uh, California, if you have workplace charging or other charging uh, during the day, uh, we're looking at a 50% renewable portfolio standard in California, and that'll be largely solar. Uh, and so that'll be, uh, that'll be a lot of solar in the afternoon. That if you can use that effectively, would make a, a huge difference in terms of how these technologies operate and the cost of the overall system. You've touched on the household level and, and looking at it down to that point. For someone who might be considering an electric vehicle or uh, an electric heat pump, how much of a difference can that make? There's no action unless consumers take action. Uh, the one thing that's really behaviorally hard about making changes is that if my, uh, my water heater Say, were to fail, and I have a gas, or I had a gas water heater at home in the past. If that gas water heater were to fail, and it's a cold day or hot day, whatever, uh, I want hot water. <laughs> I want it immediately. And the person coming to supply a new gas water heater will probably have uh, say, "Well, I could hook you up today with a gas water heater," or, and I say, "Well, I'd like to consider electric," and they say, "Well." think about it for a few weeks, and <laughs> then maybe we can get something in. And so this idea of having to replace technology is one that requires forethought. Uh, if you want to get a heat pump instead of a gas furnace, you need to start thinking about it, not the coldest day in the winter when the furnace breaks, but uh, perhaps during the summer. And so uh, if you're a consumer uh, considering the advantages of going to electric technology, you really have to pre-plan. It's cheaper if you pre-plan for it. It's much easier if you pre-plan. And it certainly seems like more people are beginning to think about that now. Yeah, the, there obviously are starting to be local ordinances for new construction. There's not much in terms of existing construction and getting people to change what they're using. But, you know, as uh, in our carbon scenario, in particular, in a reference scenario that didn't have a carbon price, there wasn't a whole lot of change in terms of electricity uses in households. But once you start to have a carbon price appearing in the price of natural gas and in the price of electricity, then there was a, a large switch towards more electric end uses. And so it was an economic switch for consumers to make in that case. Um, and so it's one, one you need to anticipate. 
at EPRI, we're looking at this assessment as a beginning, not an end. It's an ongoing process, and there will be state-level and international assessments kicking off this year. So what do you hope to learn as this research continues? Yeah, you're exactly right. This is the beginning. Our national assessment was done, you know, although the modeling and development took a number of years to develop, um, the assessment itself was done over a period of about six to nine months and uh, only looks at four <laughs> core scenarios. We are starting a, a series of state-level assessments, and in these we're looking at additional issues. Uh, for example, the national assessment focused on carbon, but the state-level studies are beginning to look at other air issues. One of the biggest benefits of electrification in many urban areas is the improvement of the local air pollution. And so trying to understand those benefits, but also trying to understand the real impediments to uh, implementing these technologies. Where do you need to have uprates of the improvements of the uh, electric service in your home? Uh, Where do you plug in cars if you live in a high-rise building with no (laughs) parking garage and electric outlets there, you know, so trying to understand the realities. And the realities in uh, downtown Los Angeles and downtown New York City are very different than the realities in rural Georgia or Wisconsin. And so there are a lot of different issues at play as we try to get a better handle on the analytics for, for electrification. There are two other things that this initiative is focused on. One is trying to develop the technologies we need for the future, and EPRI has worked a lot in advanced heat pumps and other advanced technologies, and so developing that technology pipeline is something we're strongly focused on, and we're looking to work with uh, anybody out there who's interested in in collaborating on R&D for advancing electric technologies would be uh, uh, very much like to, to engage with. And also we're working on communication, but I think you'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> well, I, I will, and I was actually leading right into <laughs> the event coming up this summer. So EPRI will be having the will be hosting the Electrification in 2018 International Conference and Exhibition in Long Beach, California. Tom, you and I will both be there. It's going to be a really great event and expo to talk more about the results of this assessment, what's coming up, and also some really interesting technologies that will be on display. Yeah, I believe we have more than 50 vendors signed up for this at this point, and so it's it's not just electric folks, it's not just you know, vendors, it's not just uh, people worried about transmission distribution, it's not, you know, it's, it's a variety of different viewpoints and aspects, and also it's global. Uh, we have a number of people coming from other countries to provide insights, because the the challenges and the opportunities uh, are very local for this, as well as global. Well worth the time. If you can join us in California the week of August 20th, and you can find more information on EPRI's electrification initiative and the conference on our website, epri.com. Uh, Tom, thank you so much for your time. This has been a, a really interesting study to follow, and I'm looking forward to seeing what comes out of it in the future. Thank you very much, Amy. Until next time, we're shaping the future of electricity.